Welcome back to Gold Ribbon Conversations, the podcast created to support families fighting childhood cancer in Ireland. Six children, adolescents and young adults are diagnosed with cancer every week in Ireland and the Gold Ribbon, which illuminates precious light, love, courage and compassion, is a symbol of strength and solidarity for each and every one. My name is Sinead O'Moore and it is my privilege to bring you this podcast on behalf of Childhood Cancer Ireland, a charity founded by and led by parents of children with cancer and survivors who know that one of the greatest sources of strength for this fight is conversation. Throughout this podcast, I talk to families impacted by childhood cancer, as well as the experts who care for our children's health, education and happiness. Yes, we talk about the fear and the pain, but we also talk about the hope and the friendship and the community that exists here because you are not alone. Childhood Cancer Ireland values every single donation while on its mission to help more children, adolescents and young adults survive cancer and thrive as adults and support all those dealing with the long-term effects of illness and trauma. You can help by sharing this podcast and by texting GOLD to 50300 and donating €4 Euro or visit childhoodcancer.ie for more. In this episode, we meet brother and sister, Kyle and Leah Casey. In 2014, aged 11, Kyle was diagnosed with a brain tumour. Now 19, he and his sister Leah have just completed the Leaving Cert and talk about how this cancer journey, this fight, brought them closer. Kyle was very unwell, double vision, unable to walk. He needed help with everything. And their parents, of course, had to be away from home a lot. The guilt parents can experience about this comes up time and time again on this podcast. But here... Listening to Leah, she explains how while aged only nine, there was an intense understanding of how Kyle needed every support and they pulled together and continue to do so today with their two younger brothers. In the darkest of times, these two young adults shine a light of solidarity and strength for all those who are fighting against childhood cancer right now. Kyle and Leah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode today. This is a particularly special one because I think a lot of the episodes that we have covered, there's always a theme of siblings that comes up. We always talk about how a diagnosis of childhood cancer impacts like the wider family network. And particularly with a lot of the parents I've spoken to, there's always a concern about how they're going to support the siblings through it. So thank you for coming on today for what is kind of a sibling episode. Well, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Kyle, take us back to 2014. Um, you're 19 now, but yeah. you were 11 when the cancer diagnosis arrived into your family. Yeah, so um, I suppose it was July uh, 2014, I was 11. Um, I was just finished fifth class in school um, and I was young, fit, healthy. I loved my sport um, and then I know started noticing that when I was getting up in the mornings I was getting sick and then after I got sick I was fine for the rest of the day so <clears throat> we um, were very confused as to what was going on 
Um, but I went for Bloods. They came back fine. Um, so this kept going on. Um, we were in Enniscrone on holidays, actually, when uh, my mother decided we have to go back to the doctor, get more Bloods done. And um, they were still fine. So he sent us to uh, Sligo for a, a second opinion. Um, and as soon as I met the doctor there, she she knew that there was something wrong. So I went for uh, an MRI and soon after that, I was on my way to Dublin. From other conversations that we've had, it seems like it escalates really quickly. Like once they once the medical team start to consider that there is a cancer diagnosis coming, it's like everyone's worlds, the diagnosis just escalates. Everything is like the medical system just kicks in, but your life changes very, very quickly. Um, yeah, I suppose just in the click of a, a finger, I was um, in Dublin and it was all so fast. There was a lot going on, but I suppose um, <clears throat> as a child, my parents, um, sort of shielded me from the horrors that were were actually unfolding. So um, they knew everything that was going on. I was a little bit oblivious to it, um, but I think that was a good thing. Um, like I was brought up to Dublin in the ambulance and as a child, that's sort of like a novelty. So I was happy enough going off. Um, and even when we got to Dublin and I was diagnosed, I was told, there's a lump of cells that needs to be removed. Um, I suppose as an 11 year old, you don't really understand what's going on. So um, like through the eyes of a child, I was always um, positive, I suppose. I, I didn't really sense the fear, which was a good thing, I thought. Leah, yeah. what do you remember, if anything, of that time? <clears throat> well, I was nine at the time, so I just remember most mornings we'd wake up and Kyle would be very sick, like he'd get sick in the morning, but then everything would go on as normal, like he'd get better throughout the day. So that was kind of routine for a while, like he'd just get up in the morning and be sick and we just kind of knew that that was what would happen. So then during the week we were in cool camps and... I think um, our mom dropped us off at the cool camp and then she brought him to the doctor that day. So it was kind of normal for us. We didn't really think anything else of it. And then when we got back home, then we realized that like he was probably not going to be home for the day, but we didn't really know how long or yeah, how long is he be in Dublin or what was going to happen after that um, but I remember being in that day I remember being in my granny's house and she got a phone call to say that he was off my dad to say that he was rushed to Dublin so my I was nine and I have two younger brothers Gordon is seven at the time and Dean was six so they wouldn't have understood really what was going on either but I could sense some sort of like worry or fear 
or that something was happening that I didn't know about. And I wasn't really being told either, probably because I was nine and my granny didn't really think I'd understand what was going on. Um, so, yeah, I didn't know what was going on, but I could sense that there was like whispering and kind of a sense of unknown, really. Um, and then a couple of days, maybe I think four days after that, I still didn't really know what was happening, but I had sensed that he was sick and he was in hospital and he needed more attention. And then my dad came home um, and then it was then then I asked like what was happening, what was wrong, Kyle? And he just said that he had a lump in his brain and it had to be removed. So yeah, at that stage, we didn't know it was cancer, that the lump was cancer. So we just thought it was a lump and it had to be removed. So yeah, that's kind of what I remember from the time. Is it a real life before cancer and now life after cancer? Like after that day, that week, did it feel like for you both that there was just this, like life had just transformed? Yeah, just in, just before I arrived, life was turned upside down, not just for me, but my whole family. Um, like even today, of course, there's still daily things, but we've learned to adapt to them. But back then, yeah, it was just chaos. But at the same time, we were just thrown into it. So we didn't really like it was kind of fight or flight. We didn't have a choice, really. We just had to get on with it. So yeah, it became yeah. like routine, normal. Were you away for <laughs> extended periods of time, Kyle? Um. Yeah, so I suppose the the first big thing was my operation, um, which took place in Beaumont. Um, before the operation, like I still was a bit oblivious to what was going on. So I remember going out to the uh, going out to theatre and um, modelling my gown and everything. Um, I suppose after that, everything really changed. Um, so for 10 days I was in Beaumont um, and I couldn't move in the bed, do anything. I was completely dependent on my parents for everything, like just to turn me in the bed or uh, brush my teeth or go to the toilet or whatever. So I think that was 10 days. Then after that, I suppose the plan was laid out that I'd have to go undergo treatment um, both radiotherapy and chemotherapy. So first I had radiotherapy in St. Luke's Hospital. Um, that was very intense. So that was, I think it was just a month nonstop. It was very, um, <clears throat> I was very drained after it, it was, it was tough. Um, and then after that, the chemo came, that was, I suppose I'd be in Dublin for three days um, every so often, and then every other day I'd be in Sligo. So there was a lot of traveling and a lot of time spent away from home. Um, I even remember like, I'm from Roscommon, but uh, referring to Dublin as my second home for a while, which is, is mad. <clears throat> and at a time as well, you know, as an 11 year old, you're you're probably just about getting a bit of freedom with your friends, you know, stronger at sport. 
figuring out who you are what your preferences are you're moving out of that kind of you know kiddie zone and into a different phase of your life how did it feel to kind of even just be away from school yeah um yeah like I knew everyone was moving on like they should like life has to go on for them and um like I remember every time my friends at home would have a football match I'd be trying to keep up to date with that and everything but um I suppose I was left behind like even I was forced to uh, stay back a year in school I had to repeat six class that was very hard for me like because since you know the age of six or seven you're with your friends and you're talking about how you're you're going moving to secondary school and everything together so that didn't happen um but it was definitely the best decision that it didn't um like I remember I went to the open day um for moving on in school and I was too weak to to move on so ultimately my parents gave me the decision but they did guide me um but staying back was a brilliant decision even for me today did it take you some time to come around to that conclusion though like when at what point kind of did it was it maturity or was it just you you knew yourself at that point that it just you weren't ready you weren't strong enough yeah I suppose like talking to my parents I was very stubborn like telling them I have to move on I have to go with my friends but um there was always something in the back of my mind like I knew I'm I have to stay back for myself I'm I'm not ready to move on um because like even the second time I did sixth class I missed a lot of school with appointments and different things like that so yeah I wasn't ready to move into first year it's such a rite of passage and as you said like since you start school with these people there's just this you just expect to always be tracking alongside them yeah I repeated sixth class Leah was Leah would have been in fifth class then when I repeated um so yeah I was still ahead of her but I suppose even being closer to her class I suppose we kind of got closer we're quite close today actually um we got we get done very well but uh the reason I, I actually ended up in Leah's year for for leaving so it was I did transition year um and I didn't no so. she didn't so <laughs> she's she caught up on me for about two years <laughs> as you touched on there do you think the the cancer diagnosis just the change of pace of life or the appreciation of life did it do you think as you grew older did it connect you to your siblings more yeah 100% like I'll never forget, um, suppose, being here um, and really suffering, like not being able to do anything for myself. Um, but as soon as I asked, like the soldier around me, that they, uh, they were unbelievable support to me. Um, so I'll never forget that. And <clears throat> I suppose today we were all very close. Um, but that's something I won't forget. So I'd like to think. I'd do the same for my own siblings um, if they were if they were in trouble. Sometimes we don't get that insight until we're a lot older. You know, like there's rivalries as kids and teens and everyone's kind of living their independent selves. And 
sometimes the the crisis of growing older is what brings people back together is that like a theme in general like do you just get a different perspective on life much younger than the others around you completely I think like some things you would have taken for granted um and I suppose people my age probably still do um yeah like you reflect on everything differently um like of course we still we still have arguments or we're siblings but um uh yeah I, I i really appreciate that like and suppose seeing my parents as well and all they've been through um there's there's something different about it um so yeah i think your uh whole perspective on everything does change kind of went into battle together yeah yeah exactly um so i suppose that gears you up for going into more battles together Um, yeah yeah you're a squad then (laughs) yeah exactly full-on team and leah for you one of the things that often comes up when i'm talking to parents for this podcast is they have this you know really intense guilt because for the time the focus has to go on one child the focus has to go on the treatment the trips to Dublin the long stays away and they can carry this you know guilt although not rational completely understandable that somehow the other siblings don't get as much of them or don't get the childhood that also they anticipated they'd be able to give them um is is that what's really going on like for the the siblings in this situation are there moments where understandably you do feel kind of like well no hang on why can't we you know go on this holiday go on this trip have this be you know fun have this normality back or or, or do you kind of just see your parents doing what it is that they simply have to do well for us anyways I remember like mom and dad tried to keep life as normal as possible so like my two brothers are heavily involved in sport as well so and so am I so we'd get going to all the matches and all the trainings and I was doing Irish dancing at the time so any day that mom would be off she'd bring me to fetches and try and keep up like our hobbies and things that we like to do as normal which was very hard at the time because of everything else that was going on but they really did a good job with that so we didn't feel left out or like we weren't included or thought about um of course Kyle was the main priority but like that was obvious of course he would be because of what he had to go through and we were just delighted to be able to like give him any sort of support or help that he could get and we didn't really feel envious or jealous of any sort of the um that he was the main focus because he deserved to be and um yeah I don't think it made us like think that we weren't the main priority if anything it made us stronger together and we'd look out for each other um yeah that's really think... lovely to hear because honestly I think <clears throat> almost every parent I've spoken to seems to feel this really intense guilt for 
you know what has happened to everyone's world and how as a parent you know you want to make sure that you're giving all of your children this kind of equal part of you but you know you have to go to Dublin you have to do the long stays away and your worry your brain like you're you're total you're you're just your fight is with the child that has the diagnosis they will yeah. listen to this and take great comfort honestly <laughs> from you saying your experience of it and how you know you simply understood yeah yeah completely understood it's you just have to it's fight or flight you just have to get on with it and take one day at a time and do the best you can that day and everything after that is a bonus so yeah This Christmas, you can dedicate a message of remembrance or hope for our childhood cancer heroes by supporting our gold ribbon tree. Please join us in remembering our loved ones who were taken too soon or send a message of love and hope to families who are still fighting and survivors who are dealing with the long-term effects of treatment. For more and to get involved, visit goldribbontree.ie today. when did you feel like life might be returning to a little bit more um, of a positive spin? Yeah, um, I suppose after my treatment, um, <clears throat> I actually got back playing football in my club. Uh, that was huge for me. Um, and as like everyone in the community supported me as well. So that was, that was big, I suppose then moving into school um, um, not with the friends that I had anticipated but I made so many new friends I'm so so grateful that that I was able to move into school when I did um, so yeah just getting back to normality like every uh, every child wants to do in their lives um, that was that was big just going to school doing the normal things <clears throat> it's it's funny how like just normal becomes the goal you know like yeah. just yeah. normal getting into school getting into the rhythm getting into a routine again has there been any kind of longer lasting challenges that have meant that you know you still like cancer is still just part somewhere of your world yeah I suppose like moving into school and meeting new people everyone is I suppose aware of what you've been through because uh, things spread like um, we're all part of the community so that I suppose did affect me sometimes like knowing that I was different um, and even like when people had tried to support me I'd sort of <coughs> turn away from that because it meant that I was different um that was that was difficult sometimes um yeah you don't want to be felt yeah. as though you know you still need help or you still like you just yeah. want to be you know a, a teenager <laughs> exactly like even though I knew that I did need help um I suppose I didn't want to feel that I was different um yeah but I like that's from my own perspective like to everyone else 
they're just here to give they're to give me a hand like yeah. to look out for me so I don't think they would have had the same um same view on it as I did yeah but I can understand that it's it's hard to accept help yeah especially when you're going through years of like wanting that independence yeah of course yeah did you 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 said that Dublin was almost like a second home when you were in Dublin did you get to connect with any other you know guys your age in the hospital network in the cancer community um yeah I suppose like you would meet people around the wards and um you'd see them quite often when you're going up so often so you will get to know different faces um there was a lad from home as well who was going through treatment at the same time as me so I met him a few times um so that was nice like to to have a friend from home who was going through the same things and we could relate um, and talk about what was going on. So that was very nice. Yeah, one of the the happiest days I spent in Dublin was um, a day that my sibling, it was actually after my operation and I was like in bits, but um, my siblings were brought up um, and my dad, and like I'll never forget just me sitting on the bed well not being that mobile but um we all got these magnum ice creams I suppose that was a big thing for us we're getting adult ice creams um we just get the small little creams <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that was a day I'll never forget like I remember when I was um quite ill um I used to always be asking for them, like, when, when are they coming up? When am I going to see them again? Um, so when they came up, that was a huge boost for me to, to see them again, um, to know that they were there. And I think they enjoyed that day as well. Um, that was a very happy day. And something that I suppose showed that we were all in it together and kind of spurred us on. Do you remember <clears throat> that day, Leah? Yeah, well... I remember we were being told that we were going up to visit Kyle and I had an image of him like healthy, I suppose, before I went up. And then when I seen him, I was quite shocked at how sick he was. And he wore glasses and one like one of the lens had um something in it to help with his double vision. And that kind of I was nearly a bit afraid at kind of how sick he had got. But at the same time, I was so delighted to see him and to be back together as one unit. Um, and yeah, as Kyle said, the White Magnums, such a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Did when after that day, Leah, like now realising how sick he is, you now have a visual of how sick he, he, he was. Did it, yeah. how, how did that impact you returning back home and you know did did the worry go up yeah for sure it did um you're always going to be worried and concerned like when I was in school I'd be thinking about him and being in school without him was very different it was very strange for me and my two brothers like we all went to school together on the bus he was two years above me and 
it was just the whole routine had changed. It wasn't like that anymore. Um, he had concerns. His balance at the time was very like poor. And the first day that he came home, we went to Supermax and mom and dad had to link each of his arms to hold him up straight and bring him to the toilet because his balance was so bad. So after you see things like that and you're only nine, of course, you're going to be worried and concerned. Um, even, yeah, that he might fall or anything else could happen, like he was sick enough as it is. So, yeah, of course, you'd be worried and concerned for your eldest brother. Um, but that was just normal for us at the time. We just had to get on with it and try and be for be there for him as best as we could. Did there come a point where either of you ever needed to talk to somebody about processing the fear that we both would have felt? Um, I well, we talked to our parents about it. Um, outside of that, no, not really, but. Yeah, we were all there for each other as a unit, a family unit. So that's how we all got through it. We pulled from one another, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> is it something that as a family you kind of have put behind you or do you still find yourselves talking about that time in your lives or, or is it the part that you want to forget about and leave behind? Um. No, I don't think it can be forgotten about, but um, there's so much positives that we can pull out of it. Like, like you said, our whole perspective on life has changed. Um, we've seen ourselves grow stronger together. Um, and of course, we can't shy away from like everything we've been through and everything we're still going through. Like, there's still daily challenges. Um, balance, sight, different things like that um so yeah i don't i don't think we can or should forget about um what we've gone through together of course we have to try and move on and become stronger and stronger and keep getting better but uh don't use it as an excuse but yeah i, I don't think it should be forgotten about it's something we should be proud about i think actually absolutely it's what you've overcome physically, emotionally, mentally, is something that very few people will have to experience in their lives. But to experience it <clears throat> at a time in your life where you are, you know, 11, 12, 13, moving through those years is. It's astounding that you could. Process it, cope with it, keep like, discover how to fight. It, it's something that you should be incredibly proud of. Yeah. And a massive asset that you're bringing with you into your adult life. Yeah, it's definitely made us appreciate the small things and to take every day as it comes. Like it's made us grow stronger and more grateful for what we have. And thankfully ours is a happy ending. So we're really, really grateful for that. And that you really can cope with yeah. the most devastating of news. You know, you, you've, you've dug into that level of resilience that not many of us know that we have. Yeah. 
yeah like even for getting through thing other big things like <clears throat> exams and everything um i like to pull on pull on suppose them years show look this is how deep we can dig so um this is only to what's what's going on now like with other challenges that we're facing so it, it just shows what we what we can achieve is a, a motivational book in you i think <laughs> that, that, that needs to get written <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but mental mental resilience is something that you can't be taught it's something that you have to discover for yourself and to learn <clears throat> by experience um and I think I think we could learn so much from hearing about the challenges that people go through, and um, which is why I think it's so. You know, I really am grateful that you would agree to come on to the podcast. I know it's you cannot you often feel a little bit vulnerable talking mm-hmm. about these times in our lives, but only for other people to hear it. Do they know of the strength and can they believe in themselves that they have the strength to get through things? Yeah, yeah. We suppose both knew like how important it is now that we're one end of it all to support those who are going through it. It's it's very important. Like we are not going to forget what we've been through. Um, so it's always important to help be it through volunteering or something like this especially for people that are you know your age and yeah, it's, it's very valuable to talk to people who've lived and walked your shoes yeah we know what it's like so any bit of support that we can give is is actually a help to us as well well you have began to help so many just by by talking with us today and supporting the work of childhood cancer ireland um that's exactly what these gold ribbon conversations are designed to do and it will help people that are at the start of this journey to see you guys on the other side and the strength that you've pulled from it will be passed on to them as they worry today whether they can or can't and i hope from listening to this that they believe that they absolutely can get through this yeah absolutely thank you so much thanks Jeanette. thank you thanks so much for having us Thank you for listening to this Gold Ribbon Conversation. There are more Gold Ribbon stories written by those fighting childhood cancer on our website, childhoodcancer.ie, and you'll find a link in our show notes. If you can, we would love you to share this podcast across social media using hashtag Gold Ribbon Conversations as it can help more families to discover this show. This podcast was produced by The Brand Story for Childhood Cancer Ireland, hosted by Sinead O'Moore and Sound Production by Alan Breslin.